Are you all hearing the? I'm hearing the, the little the ding, like the notifications. Yeah, I can't yeah, make it stop, and this meeting is going on right now, so my phone is blowing up. <laughs> oh no! Maybe it'll stop. We'll find out. I, I mean, was trying to make sure it wasn't me. I'm turning everything off. <laughs> we'll just we'll just ignore it, and then if anybody writes in about it, we'll just pretend like nah, it didn't happen. It's never happened. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. It must be something on your end. Blame it on iTunes. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I am Brock Dittis. And I'm Armando Luna, broadcasting from the anarchist jurisdiction of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. This is the show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains and transit, adventures and life hacks. And today, Lillian doesn't spill the tea. Doesn't? <laughs> She doesn't spill it, but she sells it. That's right. Uh, we'll have an interview with Lillian coming right up. But first, I want to let you all know today's episode is brought to you in part by the generous support of Gregory Braithwaite. We read yeah. his name every day, every week, I guess. Um, maybe every day to some of you. I don't know. Uh but I wanted to give a special shout out to him and go check out his YouTube channel, Bike Vids. Bike we'll Vids. A link out to that. Also, as always, thanks to our nationally recognized top beer bar in Oregon, our beverage sponsor, <sighs> the Beer Mongers. That was nice. <laughs> now open for more than 4,000 days consecutively, and they have a patio outside the place. And if you're lucky, you might be able to catch some sports with sound. Sports. The, the big stick still remains indoors and on the ceiling. Big stick. And as always, thanks to the generous support of our Patreon donors and you, the listeners, who keep us going. Southeast Division and twelfth. <laughs> and whatever yeah, intersection how is that you live not in at. the copy. <laughs> you guys always it, say it though. It's in our hearts. It, yeah. yeah. I I just sort of went on autopilot and just started reading the copy verbatim. Oh, I found a good photo from Beer Mongers. I'll have to send it to you guys. Oh, there we go. Uh, Armando, have you done anything exciting this week? I got my hair cut. Nice. It looks good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shared the kind of the before and after, and it looks like it, it looks maintained. Yeah. It didn't look bad did, before, but it, it looks out, better now. Even it up. All that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, barbershops, it's been a thing, right? Trying to find your way in during COVID. Well, so yeah, we're not, are we recording this? Oh, yeah, we yeah are. absolutely. <laughs> there you ask. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I had a. I think I had Jean Luc and I both had an appointment. I think in May, um, January, March, April, May. I can't remember now. It was close. It was close to. It was close to shutdown. Yeah, uh, it might even have been in March. I can't remember. And then nothing until now. So, okay. You know, I was my hair was already growing out, so it wasn't too awful because it just looked scraggly anyway. Yeah. Um, but Jean-Luc had, he had just gotten his hair cut really short and so his is growing out long. Okay. Um, so he just got his evened out too. He didn't get a lot cut off. So he's wow. not going short again? So he's not going short again right now, correct. And you're not going short again? Not yet. I almost did because I saw a photo <laughs> the last time I got my hair all chopped off. I'm like, oh yeah, it looks really good. But then I don't know when I'm getting my hair cut again. So right. you might as well I'm not. It's very easy to take care of, right? I get long, and that's what you've been doing too, Aaron. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm i not cutting my hair ever again. Ever again? <laughs> there we go. I don't know if I so would I'm say it's good. easy to take care so of. When when things first shut down, I, I kind of said to myself, okay, that's it. Just not going to cut my hair until things All open right. up. But then there things opened up a lot sooner than I expected. <laughs> You kind of got uh, cheated out of a, an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I can't even put it in a ponytail yet. Uh, and I've just started. So this is, this is actually a, th a thing for me for the longest time because I've got like, uh oh, we lost Brock. His battery died. <laughs> right now he's scrambling to like plug. Wait, what's the rest of the story? He's getting his getting his computer plugged in. Uh, I'm gonna finish telling the story. Oh and yeah, then no, you're then gonna you, when laugh. You when he comes back on, you go. And that's how I got. Yeah, exactly. Hours. Exactly. All right. So, <laughs> But yeah, so my hair's like really curly, and for the longest time, I was actually really embarrassed about it. 
especially when yeah. it was long. Oh, God, know, that's awesome. Because everybody else's hair, like, when it's long and straight, it's like, I don't know. It just looks like everybody else. And when you're young, you you want to look like everybody else. And that is how I got my haircut. That's a great story. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> when your hair is straight... You're always jealous and want it to be curly uh, or wavy. Yeah. And when yeah, it's, sure. it's a, curly yeah, or wavy, especially curly, yeah. you're always jealous when it, people have straight hair. But anyway, I'm, I guess, so to sum all that up, <laughs> as I'm jumping all over the place to try to troll Brock here, uh, <laughs> to sum it all up, it's, I'm at a point in my, in my hair journey where like, I'm actually embracing the curly hair. And I'm no longer embarrassed of it. And so, yeah, the, the, like I said earlier, the, the salons and barbers, they opened up too soon. <laughs> now I'm like at a point where I'm embracing. So I'm just going to like let it grow until I don't know. Too soon. Till, till we get a cure. There, I said it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, once you put it out there, it has to happen. Yeah, by the way, it took 24 years to get a smallpox vaccine. From the time they started working on it, so you could have some pretty long hair. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of split ends. <laughs> I uh, I decided to keep on cutting my hair, but uh, to let my I usually I sport a mustache. Yeah, and I just decided to stop cutting the hair between the mustache. You know, just like let it all go. And um, facial hair is gross, man. Yeah, it just like I, <laughs> when it gets long, I, it, it's it's not fun anymore. Yeah. I yeah. think about it every day and I've done a lot of you know, like maintenance, you know, and keeping things out of my mouth and stuff that, uh, yeah. I ironically, I haven't cut my hair, but I did just trim my mustache and beard today. Very, very smooth. Looks great. Thank you. Thank you. So I usually, uh, I cut my own hair with a pair of clippers that I bought. And part of that is because haircuts are so expensive. And, um, so what I usually do is I schedule myself with myself for every two weeks or so. Uh, that's about how much it takes, I think, to keep a haircut kind of looking uniform, you know, about two weeks is the point when it starts to like, I, I, I could wake up in bed and find that it's long enough to like stick up in a weird way or something, as opposed to just being able to, you know, cut short and, and then it doesn't matter. So um, what I usually do is I do that first one and then I skip the second one. And then when it comes around to the third, again, I put it off for like another week. So I aim to cut my own hair every maybe what two weeks or so. And then I, I in practice, I do it every five weeks ah. and that does not yield the results that I want. <laughs> it's almost the equivalent of, uh, you know, telling somebody, the meetup time is actually a half hour earlier than what you really want to meet up. That's right. So that That's right. They'll be on time. There have been a couple like distanced bike events that I was going to join here in Salem. And I was operating off of the idea that like, Hey, maybe I'll show up. I'll bike with some folks. So they say, Oh yeah, five o'clock ride. So I show up at five twenty, and they're gone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, that that's that's my own fault for not yeah. being on time, but so it goes. Well, hey, um, we uh, talked to Lillian about saving money. Yeah, and uh, she's got this uh, this pretty cool new product, and she's really good at saving money. I think so. Why don't we go to that? Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into it. All right. So we'll introduce Lillian Karabek of Oh My Dollar. Hello. It's been too long. Yeah, I haven't. I it's been a while since I've been on Sprackle. Yeah, what have you been up to? Um, I mean, <laughs> my house like everyone else. I right. Think. No, I was thinking even in the years, even in the years before COVID, I think you uh, you've had like a thousand things happening all at once, uh, just just for years and years. So I'm not surprised that it's been a while. I spent 71 hours on planes last um, last September alone. So, like, <laughs> I, I've really been in this huge transition from, like, I spent more than three months out of the country last year. Um, and I, it's been a really weird thing to be like, oh, this is the year where I settle in. It, it kind of helps that everyone is collectively in it. But I feel like that wanderlust has really started to reset in for me. Like, I've hit that, like, point 
Um, but yeah, I'm not riding my bike, which is like, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to come on the show. But I also, I don't, I don't have a commute anymore. And it turns out <laughs> I don't ride my bike to nowhere. Um, Same. Yeah, it's, it sucks though. I rode my bike eight miles last month. Like pre-COVID, my average month, uh, as long as I wasn't traveling the entire month, I, I would average around like 250, 300 miles a month, which is not like so much, but it's, it's a decent amount, you know? And, uh, now, now, yeah, eight, I went eight miles last eight miles. I mean, (laughs) it's more than zero. It it is important to make that distinction that you're not, not riding your bike. It's just uh, mileage is way down. Yeah. I, well, the other thing is like my, you know, my, my doctor, I had my like zoom rheumatologist, like meeting, doctor's appointment i feel like it's weird to call the doctor's appointment when it's on right and yet it is she was like oh how are you doing like are you staying active and i was like well i picked up running because i can't like i'm not really biking anywhere i'm like you know i'm not biking for an hour a day anymore and she's like oh why not and i was like oh i forget that other people ride bikes like fun as their physical exercise (laughs) and not just like as a as a way to get around that then happens to be physical exercise but it had a huge negative effect on my my mental health from the beginning of the the lockdown i didn't realize like that combined with the fact that i also wasn't all the rinks shut down and i i had started skating again last year and um the combination I, i went from like an hour to two hours per day of physical activity to like maybe on a good day, I lifted a heavy pan in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got to have cast iron. You know, it's a workout while you're cooking. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And so uh, anybody who doesn't know Lillian, I, I think most people that tune in probably have been listening for a while. And I, I want to say it's two years ago, you came in to talk a little bit about personal finance. Uh, emphasis on the per because it's cat themed. Um, but do you want to tell folks what you do uh, kind of primarily these days? What do I do primarily these days? <laughs> um, thinking about Oh My Dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I So Oh My Dollar is a show that I have that is a broadcast and podcast radio show that's focused on personal finance, but we're, we're really focused on personal finance for like folks that aren't reached by traditional personal finance. So a lot of gig workers, queer folks, um, you know, folks that don't have a white picket fence and 2.5 kids is kind of like what, what I, who I serve. Um, and then we have a really robust, huge online community, uh, that is old school forum. Um, but we have cute cat badges if, you know, you do various things on the forums, but yeah, we have a really robust, like global online community on the online forums. And I guess I have a book too. I keep forgetting yeah. I have a book, but yeah, I have a book called a cat's guide to money. That is cats explaining personal finance. Um, but yeah, I mostly traffic in cat stickers uh, dis- disguised as financial advice. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, you got a great thing going. I'm really impressed with it because it is a need, like you said, that isn't filled by, I don't know, I, I was talking to my wife the other day about the whole rich dad, poor dad thing. And it's not that the principles are invalid because he's right on the money, as it were. But uh, his thing is that he's really into flipping houses. And if you want to have a secure future financially, but you don't want to flip houses, what do you do? And so there's a big hole there that I'm glad you're stepping in to fill. Yeah, I think also, you know, one of the folks in our online community recently said all personal finance media creators are actually just lifestyle bloggers. And like part of what you're selling is the the idea that your lifestyle is accessible and attainable to other folks. And that isn't necessarily to say that me or anyone else has like the perfect finances or the perfect lifestyle, but folks want to hear personal finance advice from someone that they they feel like is both aspirational, but also like connects with their core values because it is, it is about your values, right? Like personal finance, money is just an exchange of values. And it it turns out that like, it is so important to talk about, to talk about what you actually value as a person. And what I found, you know, as like a nerd in the personal finance space was that what I valued wasn't really represented by a lot of the traditional personal finance media. Like, you know, a lot of the big names out there, like Dave Ramsey, he's an evangelical Christian dude who doesn't believe in gay marriage. Like that, like just doesn't like that. It doesn't matter if he's giving solid advice. It, it, it's not really, it, it doesn't. It's tainted by so many of the other baggage that it comes along with. Yeah. And yeah. well, and you know, like, um, 
Mr. Money Mustache is like kind of like a popular millennial fire financial independence retire early blogger. And like that community was very pivotal in me kind of getting my money together was the like to, to really get into investing and, and retirement um, because I'd always been good at budgeting, but I, I kind of hadn't thought really aggressively about investing beyond my kind of, you know, flat a hundred dollars a month I put in my Roth IRA since I was 20. Um, and but the problem with that community is that Mr. Money Mustache is very much about being uh, someone who works in tech, making a bunch of money for a couple years, saving a bunch of it and retiring. And it, it, he's so proud of the fact that he lives on less than $20,000 a year while making $180,000 a year. And it's that I'm like, I live on less than $20,000 a year because I make less than $20,000 a year. It's <laughs> right. Like, Big difference. You know, like, the 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 frugality tips when they're shared from someone with that perspective are like this is just this is just my life like i don't you know i you just, should sell your third car so you can save some money exactly it'll be like stop eating at restaurants and i'm like great i eat at one restaurant maybe every two months like this is not you know it, it's not and then the other thing is that a lot of it is just really scary like a lot of folks are, I'm, I'm not this way. Like I am calmed by spreadsheets and numbers, but there are a lot of people for which the idea of dealing with finances makes them break out in a cold sweat. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And, and though I am the friendly, I'm like the manic pixie dream girl that will sit down and explain to you with glitter and cats, you know, what, how to actually <laughs> sign up for health insurance on the exchange. 500 and, days of spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I would never make people do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we that's just, a free pop culture <laughs> reference. You can use that anytime. <laughs> we just completed budgetober on the forums and like, you know, we do challenges every month and like the budgetober is like a budgeting challenge, but you kind of get to define the terms for yourself, about like what you're going to focus on. Cause everybody's at different points. And then you get like cute, adorable Halloween themed badges. And at the end I mail you a cat sticker of a cat and a pumpkin. And you just like, just for trying to work on your money for a month. And, and I think that that ends up being really important because there's so much shame built up in how we relate to money. And if you can take that shame away and go, we're all at different points and like, you haven't done anything wrong. And, and no, no matter what choices you made in the past, it's okay. You're, you're moving forward from here. Don't be angry at your past self. Cause a lot of people come into this and they're like, Oh, I'm so mad. Like I let my student loans go by default or something, or like, I thought I was never going to buy a house. So I just like let my credit go to crap because you know, I'm a, I'm punk rock. And I was like, Oh, I'm never going to take out a loan for anything. So I don't really care. And, um, and it like, one, please don't worry about your credit score. It's all just a fake video game that we're all in. Um, and it's probably the most easy to hack thing of all of the personal finance metrics because it's all just a game. But the, the other thing is that like it, it, shame isn't productive, but learning is. And you have to, if you come from a place of making people feel bad about what they've already done, you're just going to perpetuate that unlevel playing field that we started with with money. So right. yeah, I'm just like the friendly and you know, I dress up like David Bowie a lot to teach personal finance. Like when I go to back in non COVID times, I would, <laughs> you know, my kind of my primary clients for speaking would be like arts colleges and stuff. And that's because they just don't relate to the kind of people that they used to bring in to like teach the, what to do with your student loans after you graduate from art therapy school. Like, like those those folks don't really speak to them and me being able to come in and be like, here, here's some David Bowie costumes to lure you into this thing where I will then explain to you how to pay back your student loans. <laughs> Turns out you don't have to grow up to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm think sorry. Is that, I don't mean that to be disparaging. What I mean is that, yeah, there's a certain sense of like, well, I guess we have to do the boring stuff now, but right, exactly. really it's not. If, if in fact it's tailored to uh, creating the life that you want. Exactly. I think that's one of the really key elements is that money is a tool. And if you're not scared of it and you find ways to make it work for you, as opposed to being the biggest barrier in your life, it's phenomenal what you can do. And I think that's one of the reasons that folks were saying like, Oh, I'm kind of like a lifestyle blogger is because, you know, I live really cheap, but I spend money where I value, which is like, I like ridiculous costumes. I like 
you know, I like to, I like to travel. I'm, I'm happy to travel cheap, but it's really important to me in normal times to, to travel a lot. But, um, and that, like that balance of doing, you know, what I'm passionate about and, and, and also making sure that I'm taking care of my future self. And I'm like that kind of finding that balance. I think it's really important. And also my budget, like the idea that there is some sort of like perfect budget or perfect way to spend your money is so it's just such a false concept. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm good with money. I'm, I'm very like organized with that. And I'm like, the only thing that makes you good with money is that you are on track to meet your goals. You have goals and you're living according to your values with money. There's no like ignoring it. has never worked as a financial strategy. Just so you know, I have seen a 0% success rate with the, I will just ignore it and it will get better. (laughs) Wealth through attrition. (laughs) You mean creditors eventually they they don't just go away they don't just give up. You think they get tired? Yeah. Have you are you familiar with the oh if I don't check my bank account balance then it's fine. It's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> if, and if I don't I, open my mail, if I don't go matter. to the doctor, if I don't go to the dentist. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. So can yeah, I ask? I not into personal finance. That was a long opening explanation, but. Yeah, I'm really just like a cat stickers internet seller who occasionally slides personal finance advice in there. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you because we uh, you got this exciting new thing going and I uh, wanted to have you explain kind of uh, how you got there and why it's cool. But um, part of your um, part of your uh, creating your own lifestyle and kind of living into your values is you decided a while back that you wanted to stop paying for booze, right? Yes. I mean, it's expensive. It is really expensive. Um, I wasn't even like a super heavy drinker. I mean, I'm like a biker who lived in Portland and I also worked as a fundraiser. So, you know, there's, there's a baseline amount. Yeah. There's like a baseline amount that maybe is like a little higher than folks that maybe live in parts of the country where beer is less of a required social activity or like embedded <laughs> into your job. How do you make uh, friends? I don't know. Let's go find some beer and find out. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I spent an average of like $65 a month on booze before. Um, and I have the numbers on that cause I'm a nerd who has a lot of spreadsheets. Um, and that's like my, you know, the average roughly that I spent and uh, yeah, I quit. Um, I worked I worked in politics during the 2016 presidential election and it was really rough, uh, as you may imagine. Um, mm-hmm. although I feel like, and you're only paying $60 a month in booze. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I realized that if I didn't, if I didn't just make a hard and fast rule that there was no booze, the environment of like a campaign office is especially like you're working really bananas hours. There's no self care whatsoever. Like you're, everybody's miserable and no one is sleeping. And that's just like your life for six months. You got to drink sometime. (laughs) And so it's like all hydration comes in the form of like, beer while the volunteers are there phone banking. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to have to set a hard and fast rule that I'm, I'm not drinking in order to better manage myself through this election. Like it's easier for me to kind of be black and white for it. Um, because there were so many other unhealthy things going on in my lifestyle at that time that I was not in control of. And I was like, Oh, let me like pick this one. Um, and I also, um, I quit, I quit that job and decided to start a business after the election. And I was like, Hmm, what is an easy way to save money? And, uh, so I just quit drinking and I, I initially didn't have a plan for how long it was going to be or why. Um, I didn't set out to do a year like you're doing Brock. I just sort of was like, Oh, I'll just, I'm just going to quit drinking for Let's a see while. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. See what happens. And it turned out that like, after I would say about two months where I had just found ways to replace the, it wasn't wanting alcohol. It was finding ways to replace it socially for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, figuring out which bars had good non-alcoholic options. If I wanted to meet up with someone and asking to meet there or uh, recommending alternative activities. Cause I did discover, unfortunately, a lot of places just have really poor non-alcoholic options. You're telling um, me, well, and Aaron, <laughs> you've been doing that in Portland since you moved here. So can you elaborate on the, uh, I just drink a lot of Coca-Cola. 
Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I don't like pop, and I also don't. I don't want to drink caffeine. Yeah, at, at like, like ten p.m. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I went. You know, one I like is like, that they have the uh, um, the bitters and soda. So bitters has it has alcohol in it, but it's just like drop drop bitter yeah. Yeah. soda. Oh my god, it's like it's a so fake great. ginger I love that. Yeah, it's I've, it is. I've it's done really that good. Yeah. Well, and I'll do bitters and soda. I'll request it, but then most bars won't charge you for it. And I'm like, I want to pay you to sit here. Yeah. <laughs> and, but like, you have nothing for me to buy. Yeah, <laughs> but be legitimized. It's like a like dollar or four dollars or like five dollars. So it's like yeah, yeah, for free. Well, you know? like am, either really cheap or they're going to charge you the regular price. Yep. Um, and yeah, I guess so. It's been like four years now that I stopped drinking alcohol, and I, I looked at the total on my phone, but I've saved like over three thousand dollars. Um, based on my average rate of spending, subtracting the amount I spend on non-alcoholic beverages. Um, so that, that's real math there, I swear. It's pretty good. Yeah, you can get your third car now. Um, right, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm set. <laughs> um, but like $3,000, for example, is is around what I spent to, sp- uh, sp- to spend three months out of the U.S. last year. Like, so, you know, there's a real equivalent to people are like, oh, how do you afford to do so much travel? Because I, I do a lot of long distance travel by train um, and, you know, it looks really glamorous on the gram. Um, and it's it's mainly just because it's a priority for me. And I figure out, you know, where I can kind of tweak things in order to make that a priority in a normal year once again. But like, you know, the, people are like, oh, how do you afford this? And I'm like, well, I don't have a car. <laughs> I don't have a car. I don't drink alcohol. I've I'm vegetarian. Uh, I'm vegan. So I just, you know, I don't have expensive like grocery expenses. Um, like, you know, that I don't have a kid. I don't have a Coke habit. Those are the real, those are the real things that I'll eat up. the eat up the costs. I only have one custom bike. I'm not like some people I know they get one every year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah. Uh, and, but the big thing that was like, frustrating to me was how hard it was to find bourbon replacements. So I'm from Cincinnati. So Kentucky bourbon is like built right in. across the border. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I, I, I don't like super sweet things. And that was another problem that I had with a lot of like, even places that do have decent mocktails, um, yeah. at bars, they're always very sweet. They're rarely yeah. savory. If you find a place that can make you a good, savory mocktail like hold on to it right into, you know? yeah. and uh i really wanted a good bourbon replacement and I, I had struggled a lot to find them um just something to kind of give you that same same palate cleanse and i've been kind of looking for it low-key but obviously like a, not a food service business i'm a cat sticker business <laughs> those are two very different genres yeah <laughs> like here's my financial media empire, and then also I also make like not alcoholic bourbon, um, but I uh, yeah. So I, a couple months ago, I finally just uh, stumbled upon a, uh, a tea distributor that like worked with me on a custom blend, and I was able to come up with a custom bourbon flavored tea blend, um, and then I also unfortunately it does have caffeine in it, which is like, I am longing to find the non-caffeinated version of it, but Mm -hmm. it smells exactly like bourbon. It has a little less of a sharp aftertaste. Um, but yeah, I, so I did a very small trial. I was like, will my existing audience be on board with this bourbon flavored tea? And, uh, I did a second flavor, which was called Perna Colada. Um, nice. And by the way, Lily, it sounds like the, the noisemaker got closer to your mic. Maybe. Is that right? Um, it's my <laughs> okay. All right. And it's still making the noise <laughs> and I don't understand. Ah, that's cool. No worries. Um, <clears throat> we'll edit it. We'll edit this out in post. <laughs> so much drama going on. <laughs> As you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, so it, uh, Armando, you got some and I got some, and the question you asked, of course, is like, you know, who's gonna, uh, who's gonna do this, right? Who's gonna, who's gonna subscribe to this, uh, this new product that you have to, to vend. And, uh, obviously I'm doing my sober 2020, uh, 
possibly ill-advisedly, I don't know. But uh, obviously, anytime someone... Instagram has been throwing me advertisements for uh, non-alcoholic beer uh, of all kinds for months now because it just it knows my habits. And uh, I've been dutifully buying every new thing that I find. Uh, so I'm not saving money by not drinking, that's for sure. But <laughs> I'm very interested in how can I have a diverse experience when it comes to what, what I have. Because again, it's like, I don't want to just drink Diet Coke all night. Uh, and so, yes, OMT shows up and I'm excited. Normando, you also got some, right? I did. Yeah. So what's your experience been so far? Oh, it was really, I think, uh, I think Lily's description was, was exactly on, on the nose. It was, uh, it tasted to me, it tasted like bourbon without the burn, mm-hmm. I would uh, but I just drank it. I just drank it straight though. So I'm thinking it would be better in a, in a, in a mocktail. Yeah, this is so. What I have uh, here today is like a whiskey sour version. So I cold press the tea uh, like overnight, so I can because I I prefer my bourbon cold and not like a steaming thing of tea. But I cold press it in a French press, and then um, I mix it up with some aquafaba, which is like the juice from Bean juice. Carbacca. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is vegan, lemon, and, and it's then, a great yeah. what egg white substitute. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also just a thing I happen to have around is someone who makes sure. hummus a lot. Um, so do you save your aquafaba? I do. I, oh. I save them in little tiny containers just for the purposes of making mocktails. Nice. There's no other reason for me to have it. Whatsoever. I was going to say, what did you do with all that beforehand? You can make vegan meringue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, <laughs> just on a scale of the amount of energy I'm willing to put into anything in my life, so I'm not going to vegan meringue. Yeah. But I will make a vegan whiskey sour. It's like, I haven't really been replacing alcohol, really, like much. Um, but I I had, I have only had one day in the past four years where I just desperately wanted a drink. And I, I didn't really want it for the alcohol. I just wanted someone to acknowledge that the end of an incredibly long day was done. I had like gotten off the train in Shanghai and it turned out, you know, Chinese maps are always like screwed up. They like lie about the coordinates and stuff. And so you, you never quite know if a map is going to work in. It's often like 200 feet off because they just like the Chinese government just shifts all the coordinates over. It's weird. Okay. Um, but there's just like a lot of issues with addresses and maps in China. They're trying to be Harry Potter and making things unmappable all the time. <laughs> and uh, uh, I had this just incredibly long day. I'd gotten off the train in Shanghai. It was pouring rain. Um, like, like torrential, you know, typhoon levels of rain. And I was carrying, you know, carrying my backpack. It was the end. I'd been on that trip. I think I'd been to 13 countries or something. And China was my second to last country. And uh, I'd, you know, been on the Trans-Siberian Railway for eight days, like right before I got to Shanghai. And um, my hostel just didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the map, but it, feet like, off. it just I was didn't like, exist. At the address, it just didn't exist. I tried calling them, but I like couldn't get a hold of them because you know you can only use. I have like a I had a, a foreigner sim in China because you have to have a foreigner sim that's like registered to foreigners. Uh, but the foreigner sim like wouldn't let me call out on WhatsApp because it had to be voice verified because that's how like uh, not WhatsApp um, uh, WeChat which is like the, that's what you use for everything. You pay for everything in China. It's social networking, it's phones, it's WeChat is all of China. You unlock bike share bikes with it. Um, And uh, yeah, I like couldn't get it to open and I just gave up and I ended up hot wiring a hotel. (laughs) Like I I found a hotel on Hotwire that was like, uh, you know, 40 USD a night, which is like obviously more than I would have spent on a hostel, but it was like supposedly five stars. I walk in, it's China. So yeah, it says it's five stars, but like, it still reeks of smoke, even though smoking is not allowed. It's like permeating every surface. Mm. It's very, it's just how things work in China. Anyway, I get up to my hotel room and I'm just like, this has been the longest day. There's nothing I would like more than to just go to a hotel bar and have someone pour me some whiskey over the rags. And that's been the one time I've been like right now. And of course the hotel bar was like weird and there were people playing Mahjong in it and there's definitely no whiskey and I wasn't going to like. Okay. So you didn't get whiskey then? I did not get whiskey. I just you had did. a, I just had a bath in the hotel bathtub. That was my one. Okay. That was my substitute. But if I had there had you go. bourbon flavored tea, I would have made myself some. Absolutely. Well, I was just about to queue up the question of like, so what was it like to have that drink? But you, uh, you didn't have it. You're just, uh, you're, you're still, you're off what on the wagon. Yeah. So, Hey, 
congratulations. <laughs> the Thanks. fates conspired yeah. no, against was, you to co- complete your goal. Yeah. It was just, well, it was more just that it was just too much energy. Like yeah. I, if it had been easy, maybe I would have, although, okay. you know, at that point I hadn't been drinking for like three years or something. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's something that I'm thinking about too, because I, I don't know. There's a certain amount of, um, realism that you look for when you're doing uh, alcoholic beverage replacements. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the, one of the worst parts of non-alcoholic beer is that uh, it's really hard. It's just the one company I've found that I think really nails it. Um, and even then it could be that that's because I just haven't had the real thing in so long. But, um, but I think there's something to be said for uh, like, like you said, it's uh, you're looking for something that's a replacement. It's not too sweet. Um, I was impressed when I got the package. So I, it all, number one, it came incredibly quickly. Uh, I think even the note that you included said, uh, wow, that guy hurt. I, I, no, I, I think I sent you a picture of it. And you're like, wow, that came, that came like, oh, fast. Wow. I that out yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just know, oh, my dollar delivers. But uh, the, the smell, like you said, Armando, is uh, it's really, really good. Um, it almost reminded me of like a pipe tobacco from when I used to smoke pipes. Like I remember that oh, was... Yeah. Uh, that was kind of the thing it reminded me of most is it smelled a bit like that. Um, yeah. And it produces a great cup. So, so far I have not yet, uh, cold pressed it. I think I need to do that and, and kind of get that experience. Um, and now that I know the aquafaba trick, I, I got to do that myself as well. But, um, yeah, I think there's, uh, there's something to be said for, uh, for, for trying something new and seeing how it treats you. So, um, yeah, I, I am, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm very excited about it. And so I think it's something that uh, is worth if uh, either if someone wants to drink less or doesn't drink and wants something that, you know, uh, simulates the whiskey experience uh, or, or along those lines, anywhere along those lines, that it's a good thing to have. Yeah. I, this, this first one was your trial run. Is that what you said? Yeah. So I, I just wanted to see if I could sell enough of it. I was like, I don't want to, like, start a whole operation, uh, you know. I don't want to start my bourbon empire without like marketing it. But I did. Um, so the, I did a pretty small run. I did a hundred, like a hundred packages of it, um, and I had two different flavors. And I released it to my patrons. Um, shout out to the wonderful Oh My Dollar patrons. But I released it to them twenty four hours early. I was like, no pressure. But if you want this, like I'm giving you first crack, and like you know, here's a discount code. And I sold out of the Perna Colada flavor within 30 minutes of the pre-launch. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, there's some traction here. There's um, demand, yeah. Yeah, I also had, we have like a pretty large Australian audience. Um, and unfortunately, it was just, I, I can ship it. I investigated to make sure I could ship it to all the countries. Because, you know, obviously, like food imports are very different than I normally ship books and stickers. Um, but I could. And I, I made sure to label it so that I could import it. But then the shipping was just outrageous. What I love about tea is it's so cheap to ship. Like it's a, because it's so light. Right. Uh, but unfortunately it doesn't matter if it's going to Australia. So they like <laughs> they all the Western Australians were busy trying to pool their resources to try to figure out like, cause most of them live in Perth. Cause that's the only place in Western Australia. Most people live. Um, <laughs> and they were like, can we, can we order enough? Like, is there like a tipping point at which we can like get like 10 packages and then we can like distribute them locally. Um, but yeah, I completely sold out within 36 hours. So I am doing a second run, um, just because at at the very least, everybody was very excited about it. I like, I was a little, I was a little bowled over by how many people did it. I also don't like, at first I was sort of like, is this going to be the kind of thing where people just buy it because they like, oh my dollar and they're like interested, but then maybe there's not like outside of my own audience, maybe there's not like a market, but I have fulfilled more orders for people I don't know than, than names I've ever seen before. So um, it's clearly with, you know, no marketing kind of getting around. So it probably helps. It has a cute cat on the package. It does. Very hard on the packaging design. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you for putting it out there. And thank you. I I feel like, I don't know for all the, all the strange things that are happening in this time in, in history and for all the, uh, the unsettling and unsure, uh, unsure things that we see. Uh, I feel like in some ways there's no better time to try something new, uh, and to kind of put yourself out there, make a change, do something you wouldn't have done before. Um, especially if it has positive consequences and especially if, uh, I mean, one thing that we haven't even talked about is that yeah, if you've got your money together, um, 
you're in a position to help other people. You're in a position to donate. You're in a position to give. Um, if, uh, if you're working on that third car payment, you don't have that. And so uh, I think that's another a big piece of this is that there's a lot of really uh, good causes and a lot of things that I think are worth donating to right now. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is one piece of that, right, is that you can, you can readjust your life to center around your values. And if your values include generosity, uh, that's, that's a way to make it happen. That's been the, I think the coolest part about, so I've actually weirdly, I've had a very strange life this year in that while there's been kind of, I've watched so many of my friends become unemployed or underemployed and like face real, like real financial crises. I've actually made more money this year than I've ever made in any year in my life, but partially because I was working three jobs for the six months of the year. Um, which I would not, I would 0% recommend. It was like a series of circumstances that led to me doing that. Um, and it, it just so happened that I work in a counter cyclical industry in that I give personal finance advice, which does a lot better when the economy is doing worse. Um, so <laughs> I mean, I also work in media, which is, it does really poorly um, at all times. Huzzah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then I, I have a, I have a day job this year, which is, I, it's rare that I haven't worked like a full-time day job in a couple of years, but I work in transit data right now. And so I, I think one of the most amazing things about this year for me was that it was a lot easier for me to just make choices to support organizations or, or support friends or, you know, other kinds of mutual aid it, it just, it became more empowering and less stressful for me this year. Cause I've, I've always tried to, I, I always have tried to donate 10% of my expenses. So I do it based on expenses, not, um, not my income because I, I have certain, I try to save about 50% of my income generally. And, um, but it turns out when I'm making a lot more money, 10% is a lot higher. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and and we were able to switch over to like all of the oh my dollar ad revenue is just entirely donated now and i let my patrons like pick which um we focus on gbtq black-led organizations for that and like it's just been very cool to be in a position where the the kind of generosity i've I've asked from other people as a fundraiser i now i'm in a position to give myself and it's it's kind of helping me deal with the anxiety of 2020, (laughs) but you just, you get so like when you are in that position of saving and, you know, um, focusing on your money and you have the privilege and luck that I had this year. I mean, some of it was privilege and some of it was just sheer weird timing. Like I was working in at Starbucks until January 15th this year as my like health insurance job. And I left working service industry job in a mall (laughs) right before COVID-19 happened. And, um, like, you know, it's almost like I, I knew (laughs) I had a plan, but I didn't, did not know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you're given a lot of flexibility when you, when you have these things together. And I, I think it's, um, it's nice to be able to live according to my values in ways that also is just direct support to other folks because it's long been uh, one of my core values to you know to donate ten percent, but it was felt more impactful this year when ten percent was a lot bigger. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Appreciate it. Uh, where can people find the tea, and where can they find all oh, my dollar? Oh yeah. Um, well the tea they can find at shop.omydollar.com like, Oh my God, but Oh my dollar. And, uh, the, everything else you can find me on the internet, just look for Oh my dollar or anomaly is my handle everywhere. And, uh, yeah, we're really friendly on the Oh my dollar forum. So if you're struggling to kind of break into getting your money together, then we're a really nice friendly community. We have a lot of cats and plants. And occasionally we discuss money. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. Armando, did you have any other uh, questions or thoughts on the, uh, on the tea? Oh, I just wanted to say not on the tea, but, um, I, I follow a little on social media, Twitter mostly. Um, and of course there's a lot of interaction between her and, and the people that follow her, but I took a look at the uh, forums, just like you said, and Oh my, Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> 
there's a lot of interaction and a lot of postings. And then, and I just think about, cause I remember back when you had your three jobs, I'm like, how do you have time to do all of this? And you're responding to all these people. There were like three or 400 messages just in that one, just in your October one, you know, it's like, Oh my, how does she do all that? I just don't get it. I just um, don't get it. I have, there are amazing group of people on those forums and they're very self-moderating in a lot of ways. And then additionally, I have, uh, help of some great moderators in different time zones around the world that uh, can answer things when I'm oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's impressive. Thanks. We we try. Oh yeah, we do live streams every week too. This is rel- This is this is helpful to this audience. I test a vegan donut and I talk about money oh, yeah. in a live stream every Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, midnight GMT. Uh, 8 a.m. Australian Western time. Yeah. Uh, I will eat a donut and uh, talk about money, talking dough and eating donuts. And often I will answer questions about like when people are like, why is the economy doing this thing? Um, so yeah, I tend to get into a lot of the, Oh My Dollar podcast is more related to personal finance, but the live streams tend to be more like, let's talk about what a trade deficit actually is. Um, and I will eat a donut to try to like make you understand it better. There we go. <laughs> do you use the donut like as a as a means for metaphor? Like, do like the sprinkles represent the low demand? And no, no. <laughs> I I did. Um, we I had to try to explain where the money came from when the fiscal when the huge COVID stimulus package came out. People are like, "Where is this coming from?" You Should see, I the dough is the outside shell companies that donate to the the federal. <laughs> Deficit, well, and then you got the feeling here. This ras- now notice it's raspberry. Now that's the blood of the proletariat that supports <laughs> the infrastructure. I should have you on as a guest. <laughs> For real, please. <laughs> a lot of time ranting about you know, <laughs> it's all just it's all just a scam. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think we're probably the the live streams are like mostly a pretty chill, like regular group of like maybe fifty people that attend most weeks. But occasionally, I'll do it on like a trending topic, and it will like hit more people's feeds on YouTube, and then the chat will just be out of control because I'll be talking about like Trump tax cuts or something, and people are like, "You should leave your bias out of this information." I was like, "Majority of my audience comes here for the bias, friend." <laughs> <laughs> I came for the bias. There are others. I stayed for the financial advice. I am here to discuss how, how you know, the <laughs> fall of capitalism is required for equity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Lily. I appreciate you being here. Uh, would you like to hang around for our news and mail? Yeah, I'll, I'll hang around for news and mail. Sweet. All right. All right. Uh, Aaron, do you need, uh, you got the thing? I got the thing. Should we just go right into news and mail then? Uh, sure. Let's do right. it. I love, I love, I love, I love my calendar. Don't, don't ever use that. Hey, so we got a calendar going. Uh, calendar. Not a whole lot going on. I still. love my calendar. Yeah. Uh, but if you, listener, have a event that you want us to promote here on the show, let us know. And uh, we'll promote it. Why not? Uh yeah, so first up, every first Saturday here in Portland is the Civil Unrest Ride. We're big fans. Yes. Uh, every second Friday, the Boston Bike Party. Go, Armando. <laughs> second Sunday in PDX, the Corbin Day Bike Club Ride. Mask up and social distance. COVID-19 is still raging, especially in Oregon where it's on the rise. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, it's getting bad. Again, November 6th, the Bikes Not Bomb 10th Annual Building Momentum Breakfast in Roxbury, Mass, near Boston. Fabulous. That was our calendar. That's right. Here come some headlines. Oh, before we do headlines, I feel like I want to, I have a can I haven't opened yet, and I feel like I have to do a beer mongers thing to do, uh, to open it. Oh, yes. You know, I was going to make sure to mention them at the at the beginning. 
Right. But then that'll be like, that's so long to but, wait. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> we can do it twice in a show. I don't think that would be. Well, that's be, true. Yeah. All right. So I just opened a fake beer. And you can get both fake beer and real beer, you know, if it aligns with your financial priorities at the Beer Mongers at Southeast Division and 12th. And, uh, you know, uh, good weather, bad weather, Paul's patio is always going to be there. That's right. Great beer outside open, right? if you like. They, they've opened and just stayed open Every day, uh, right? Yes, they've been open. They even I, I think, yeah. as, except for when they were uh, required to be closed, they've been open as long as uh, as low as they can be. That's their thing. Yes, uh, always be selling. They just became a bottle shop during the times when all the bars were closed, and they so were they a bottle still, shop before. Yeah, yeah, but, but they became only, only a bottle shop. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So technically, they stayed open throughout the whole the uh, whole ordeal. Yeah. Well, and Sean and crew have been good to us. Yes, uh, we'd like to be good to them. They are they are good folks. Here's some headlines. Yeah. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Pedal just as fast as we can into the morning light. Pedal just as fast as we can into the daylight. Pedal All right, so I'm going to be completely honest. I first heard about this on bike portland but i've got really self-conscious of the amount of bike portland articles we've used over history so i mean he's cool with it (laughs) yeah he's yeah and and thank you jonathan for (laughs) letting us do that yeah (laughs) so uh, i found this this article from clark county today uh Clark but, County, you just north of the Portland area. Just, just north of Portland. Yes, that's right across the pond. In a different state, in, in a different anarchist jurisdiction. <laughs> I'm not gonna I don't know if I would say that. that. Yeah, I don't know. It's relevant. <laughs> the rinks are finally reopening, so I am going to bike to the rink in Vancouver in Clark oh, County. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know they had an ice skating rink. I. Well, that's actually where Tony Harding trains. Oh, okay. Right, because she lives in, like, Yakult or something, yeah. But she can't put people on the ice in competition because she's banned from the sport. Yep. That's right. So it goes. Well, I didn't didn't notice in Clark County today, I didn't notice the announcement that the rinks were open. I I should read it again. But no doubt. Announcement in Clark County. What's the actual headline? (laughs) (laughs) Friends of Frog Ferry makes progress towards goal of Portland-Vancouver passenger ferry service. Since 2018, the Triple F has accumulated over 1,000 stakeholders and released the findings of its first two feasibility studies, best practices and demand modeling. Within the first of these two studies, Bladholm and her board, along with ferry experts from Seattle, evaluated the possibility of having a ferry on the Columbia and Willamette rivers by looking at other ferry services, domestic and international. And they yeah. also added a promo video. That it's I a good promo to. video. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is a ferry that would bring people that live in Vancouver generally or drive to Vancouver and get on the ferry, and then the ferry would take them to different locations. In the Portland up, area. Up the Willamette? Up the Willamette? Up and and up the Willamette. It's like the max we were supposed to get yeah. to Vancouver, only it brings crime from Vancouver to Portland. <laughs> well, ferries don't bring crime. In no way does a ferry bring crime. No, ferries don't bring max? crime. Maxes do. Crime on the river? That's, what? Yeah, this is a joke. Um, I would yeah. be welcome if they did it at 5 a.m. when I need to get to the rink. So if they can make that happen, please. There was a on their on the Friends of uh, Frog Ferry, which is a great name, by the way. On the Friends yeah. of Frog Ferry website, there is like a proposed schedule and a number of stops between Vancouver and Oregon Portland, City, right? All the way down, yeah, I believe all the way down to Oregon City. Yeah. Wow. Oh, uh, that would be amazing for uh, like long distance bike touring. Oh, you, yeah. Because you, you could just skip all the kind of the boring city riding and get down to Oregon City on the ferry. And also crossing down there is a pain. Yes. Because like half the time the ferry isn't working or the bridge is shut down or whatever. And it would give us something to talk about for boat month. Wait, wait what? Boat month? Did you just oh, say yeah. boat month right now? 
No, I've no well, we I mean, made it up two years ago. That's how we've treated it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> boat month is whatever you need it to be. <laughs> you know, it took me a long time to realize because it says a ferry. I didn't know if they were talking about a ferry for just people or a ferry like that cars would drive onto, like a you know, like in. I did not NYC get the impression that it was going to carry but it's just people. Yes. Yeah, it's just people. And bicycles. And Excellent. Bicycles. Pedestrians on bicycles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? But not pedestrians in cars. It, that, that, I'm sorry. That I really should not use just like inside jokes for my own family. But that was something <laughs> that uh, <laughs> my wife was on a bike trip a long time ago. And um, <clears throat> I think it was one of those like construction situations where the flagger has to like signal oh, yeah. like, hey. And so the flagger says on the radio to the other flagger out of sight, I've got a pedestrian on a bicycle. And uh, I guess that was in flagger that's speak. Awesome. That's how you communicate exactly what needs to happen. She should have just walked her bike the whole distance. of the <laughs> Exactly. Zone. Exactly. Yep. Uh, next. You up. Know, it sounds sort of, it sounds sort of fun, but like, you know, I thought when they talked about bringing the, uh, the, uh, Southwest Islands Bridge, that old bridge, and they were going to put it over 405. Remember that talk was going on? Oh, yeah. I, I was looking at the Bicycle Transportation Alliance at the time that that was proposed. Oh, I mean, it, you know, it sounded so silly, but fun. We watched it tank at the last minute because of <laughs> one council vote that we didn't think we had. And it was it was just so cool because it was like they, they had figured out a whole thing to float it down the road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and install it, and it... It was bizarre because it was a perfect fit to go over the highway. Like the the fact that the span was exactly the same span at the point on the highway they wanted to do it. Oh, it was going to be so cool. I'm still so I'm so sad about that. Every time I'm down in that part part of uh, downtown and Northwest, I just have a moment where I'm like, there could be a gorgeous bridge right there that's bicycle and pedestrian only. Oh. Don't cry. But I, so I think about that. I think about that. And then I think about, I think about the tram, you know, and how everybody was against the tram. I'm like, oh, the tram, that's so silly. And it's just like, you know, working on the, the hill. That, that takes like the majority of OHSU workers up to OHSU. Well, I, don't that say tram? I wouldn't say it's the majority of OHSU workers. point out it's the largest employer in the state of Oregon. <laughs> but it's so many people. It's, it's, Amazing! It is amazing how many people have ridden that tram. How quick we got to a million riders on that tram was like. It's just sad how much crime it carries. <laughs> I, yeah, that's with the, the tram part. comes crime. Actually, I, probably, tram. I don't know if I, I don't know if I should say that or not, but you know. <laughs> the, the thing I will say about the tram too was like you just watched what changed when it's down for maintenance because it had to go down for its like ten year oh, maintenance. Yeah. Or oh yeah, yeah. And like for, it was down. And for, then we got jump bikes. And it was just. I mean, yeah, it was just. It was just such a disaster of like traffic planning and management. And you're like, if we didn't have the tram, that would be every day. Yeah. That traffic yeah. planning wouldn't happen to have happen every day instead of three weeks out of every 10 years. I have strong feelings about the tram. <laughs> <laughs> the actually, actually was nice practice for uh, remote working when the, the tram, when went the down. tram was down. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was your rehearsal for COVID time. Well, just for a lot of people on the hill. Yeah. So I you know, do off, offered opportunity to work remotely. I do breakfast on the bridges, like down at, on the telecom, and we did it during the tram being down, and it was like the saddest breakfast on the bridges we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like no, nobody. You had to get up so early to make it up at the same up the hill at the same time if you were riding a bike, and like. So many people had just shifted away from riding either oh. from home or whatever that it was. Just, it was just. It was like, and I think they did it over break too. So it was over the students' right. break, and because of that, that meant we already had less traffic at that time. Mm. But I have. I would have celebrated my 14th Halloween breakfast on the bridge this month, and unfortunately, no breakfast on the bridges right now. It's It'll just happen later. But it's is it really a 14th anniversary if you take a year off? Yeah. Oh, sure. Everybody's going to be dropping years off of their accounts of things. It's that's just the way, you know, it could be multiple years. Who knows? But yeah, no, I, it, we'll, we'll be there. We'll, we'll celebrate with you. <laughs> hey, Aaron, you've got a Yo, story from a different hill. Hey, speaking of hills from <laughs> thehill.com. Thanks, Brock. 
Sprawling City gets new car-free neighborhood. This is in Arizona. The development will be called Cul-de-Sac Tempe after one of the suburbs located outside of Phoenix. The developer is a startup similarly named Cul-de-Sac and is shelling out about $170 million to create 761 apartments with approximately 1,000 residents, none of whom will park cars in the community, per the New York Times. Well, where will they park their cars? Cul-de-sac Tempe's planned site is a bare 17-acre lot near the Salt River. A key component of Cul-de-sac Tempe's design will be amenities make it feasible for residents not to own a car, Ah. including grocery stores, restaurants, coffee shops, communal lounges, areas, and co-working space. So this is going to be like uh, Orenco times 100. Yeah, times I think this over. is what they're trying to do. Got to do the um, math. But Orenco Station's always been my favorite kind of like uh, low-car possible dwelling. Except that anything around Orenco, you still need a car to get to, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And for anybody and who doesn't know, Orenco Station is my crush of a neighborhood <laughs> on the west side of the Portland area. It's a darling the neighborhood. The Max goes through it's, there. Why would you need a car? Well, you would think, right? And yet... Yeah, the problem is you only you have to go on the max, and you can only go into or out of Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else would you want to do? <laughs> I like the other rink that I skate at is out there in like near Orenco Station, and it's like I it's great. The max takes me three miles from it. So unless I have a bike, it's not you know it's not a walkable uh, neighborhood. Right, so. or or roller skates, I guess. Right, you could like. Roller skating oh, that work? miles with other skates <laughs> on the back sounds really not, not fun. exciting. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I think I have to say the cul-de-sac tempe it sounds sillier than the frogs of fairy. <laughs> Friends of frog fairy? Cul-de-sac tempe. tempe. Because tempe is, is a city in Arizona, is that correct? Uh, it's a suburb. It's also, tempe is a suburb of Phoenix? Yeah. It's also fermented soy, so... <laughs> oh sure add an h and you're all there wait i'm being corrected on our pronunciation apparently we've been saying tempe it's tempe 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 okay okay now it's even sillier <laughs> that's the way that's the way the locals pronounce it okay well what do they know okay i'm a big fan of yeah exactly <laughs> All right. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> okay, if you live in Arizona and I'm proud of your, your cities, and we're, we're just joking. Tempe right. or Tempe? This is how right the Sprocket Podcast yeah, that says, I love you. Sprocketpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Well, any- should we see ourselves out? <laughs> how are they actually we don't have- write it? Like, what's the phonetic pronunciation guide if they're doing this by email? Oh, uh, email us your audio pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> at the Sprocket Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Email us your voicemail at 503-847-9774. Well, we don't have tact and sensitivity for the we pronunciation don't. of places outside of our jurisdiction. But what we do have... We got This All came right. in from uh, Cameron Lee not too long back. And I was trying to remember if we've seen one of these before. I, I don't recall. Um, he sends us a what appears to be a bullet cargo bike painted with the DHL colors and logo. And, I think uh, I can share presumably this. doing the work of DHL. Hang on a second. So now everyone can see. That's right. Well, I tell you what, if, if you can't do it, I'll put my phone there up it is. to my camera. Oh, yeah, okay, there we go. That looks better than my phone on the camera. Is, is it in Germany? Because it seems like it would be, because all of the mail is delivered by bike in Germany. Uh, well, Cameron only said Europe, uh, and so all we have to go off of is um, the partially obscured language on the decals on the window behind the bike, and it does look like that could be German. Yeah, it looks very German. I that used to live like DP DHL.goldgreen.com. And the train would always be full of delivery bikes like this, these incredibly large, like bullet style bikes on the S-Bahn 
And it was like clear that they were just trying to like get a lift out to the far reaches of Berlin. Yeah. You're so like not allowed to have cargo bikes on that. Spot. I was going to ask because you can't have unusual bikes on uh, say Amtrak, I think is how they say unusual bikes. And then of course, any, uh, what, how do they describe it for TriMet in Portland? You can't take like, I basically oh, anything that's on a bike trailers. with two wheels, right? Um, yeah. They, it's actually a pretty definition, narrow definition of uh, <clears throat> what you can take as far as a bike on on the max and it's being challenged by um our good friends at the civil unrest bike club um, right right because mobility devices sometimes look like bicycles yes and sometimes well they are bicycles yeah and sometimes they look like trikes in which case they are not allowed on the max right so try Matt, go eat a bag on that issue <laughs> you, you might have to do some soul searching on that yeah try Matt. Yep. I- I have had a couple group bike camping trips where we're kind of pushing the limits of what you could reasonably fit into the bike spot hanging. And I had, we had one time where, where we actually, we all left late accidentally. It was like from my office and I don't know, we got distracted or something. And we ended up on the rush hour max out to the suburbs with eight of us across two cars and like a trailer. (laughs) I bet your, your fellow passengers were excited to see you. (laughs) Look at them having a good time. It was particularly great because it was when I worked for a bicycle organization and ah. I was like, we're going to get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this brings us kind of to the end of all things. It sort of does. I Lily, suppose. thank you again for, yeah. Uh, for being with us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. It's been a delight. Thanks for You want to drop the uh, OM dollar thing again real quick? How do we find it? Oh, yeah. You can find me at ohmydollar.com and uh, you can find Purban Tea or Pernacolata Tea at shop.ohmydollar.com. Fabulous. Awesome. Uh, should we do this? Uh, do we do these credits trio style? Um, actually, why don't you and Armando do it? I'll, okay. I'll bow out. All right. I'm going to head out as well. All right. Because there's Bye, Lou. speeding yeah. stuff going You're on. Blowing it's up over there. Yeah. <laughs> You're very popular. Good to see you again. Bye. See ya. All right. Ready? All right. Here we go. The Sprocket Podcast was formerly produced at X-Ray FM Studios, now at home by Zoom. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Or call or text to 503-847-847. Nine seven seven four. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Oh, Hurtbird for our headline sounder. <laughs> Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners, such as Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean, Richard Wazenski, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Chris Smith, who hopefully gets elected, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G, Guthrie Straw, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary, and a great copy editor. Campsite, Macnurse David, Nathan Fulton. Rory in Michigan, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel, E.J. Finnernan. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchison. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Brian Tam. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron. Chris, Chris Barron, Barron and Chris and Barron. Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna. Hey, that's me. Hey. Matthew Rooks. Kaka! Thanks, dude, Luna. Marshall, Paula at <laughs> Funitake Cyclecraft. Philip M. Spartandale. No relation. Mr. T, who never really left Bike Initiative Kiwana. Sarah G. Adam D. Go dig a hole. Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy. Myra Martinez. Oso. Isaac M. David Christensen. 503. Byron Patterson. Kirsten Graham. And our newest donor, Aaron G. And all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now, wash your hands. And wear your mask. Damn it.